All right, everybody, this episode is all about a very new and exciting technological frontier for content creators, specifically this concept of non-fungible tokens, aka NFTs for short. This is essentially just a device on the blockchain that allows creators to turn their digital work, which is typically easy to copy and reproduce into limited edition, scarce versions. It essentially allows you to create collector's items out of digital works. I wrote about this in my newsletter a couple weeks ago. There have been some really interesting cases of fairly random digital artists on the internet who have launched NFTs and NFTs have earned them as much as $8,000 or in some cases even more. But you can easily find a lot of cases now like this. It's not some freak isolated example. There's actually like a lot of people doing this on platforms such as Rarible or Super Rare. And my friend Kenny, he and I have been talking about this stuff for a while and he's pretty sophisticated on this stuff. And we were talking about, is it possible to create NFTs for things like podcasts or PDFs? Because up until now, it's mostly just used for visual art. And we've actually started working on this. And when I say we, I mostly mean him because I'm not too technically sophisticated, although I, I learned quick. Kenny is an active developer on Urbit, and he's one of the members of the Dalton Collective, which is an Urbit collective within Urbit. The Dalton Collective actually sponsored three fully funded scholarships for the Deleuze and Heidegger course that I recently reopened with my colleague Johannes. So that was awesome. Big shout out to the Dalton Collective. That was actually after we recorded this. So uh, very grateful. Kenny's awesome, dude. Dalton Collective, super cool. So if you're interested in any of this kind of stuff, I think you'll find this a rewarding episode. And if this is something you're interested in at all, we would love for you to reach out to us and maybe you could join the team or something like that. So, all right, that's what we got today. I hope you enjoy it and hit me up if you want to talk about any of this. Hey everybody, my name is Justin Murphy and this is the Other Life Podcast where I talk with indie creators, digital hustlers, and unique internet personalities about how to escape from institutional conformity and succeed on the internet instead. To learn more about the Other Life Project, go to otherlife.co, that's otherlife.co. And if you like what I'm doing, I just have one quick favor to ask. Please go and just leave a review in iTunes. It really helps others find the show and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much and a big shout out, especially to my patrons. I could not do this without you all. So thanks. And now on to the show. All right. What's up, Kenny? How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me, Justin. Absolutely. We have been working on an interesting project, you and I, mm -hmm. which will be the main focus of this podcast. We want to share with people what we're thinking and what we're working on with respect to non-fungible tokens, yeah. aka NFTs, specifically for content creators. But before we get into all of that, why don't you just tell my audience a little bit about yourself, Kenny? Give us a quick kind of uh, resume of your experience and background. Sure. So my name is Kenny Rowe. I originally got into the blockchain space probably 2014, late 2014, early 2015 with a project called uh, MakerDAO. And with that project, I was kind of on the core early team there that helped build that stablecoin into kind of what it is today. That's the DAI stablecoin. And in the interim, I did some other things with an outfit called CoinFund from New York, Aragon, which works on DAOs and things like that. Currently, I'm really involved with a project called uh, MetaCartel Ventures as well, which is a decentralized sort of VC organization 
that kind of thing. But my day job currently is working on a project called Urbit. And for that, I also have, I run a group called the the Dalton Collective. And we can get into a little bit about all that stuff. But yeah, so I've got a background in Ethereum, done some other projects, but right now m- mostly focused on Urbit, but also very interested in NFTs right now. Okay. Okay. Awesome. That's great. And yeah, shout out to Urbit. Kenny is a major, super loyal booster of Urbit mm-hmm. and a shout out to them. They recently, Tlon recently introduced a, a hosting service. So my understanding is that it's now much easier to get involved with Urbit. If you're interested in that, if you have up until now found it to be a little too technically intimidating or just inconvenient, you should go check out the hosting service, which is hoping to really accelerate adoption for Urbit. There's a wait list uh, you, you can get on. So uh, shout out to Urbit. Yeah. And why don't you tell us, I think it's probably best to not try to go into the can of worms that is Urbit, which people find <laughs> infinitely kind of mysterious and, and fascinating. Uh, yeah. But why don't you tell us specifically a little bit about your project, the Dalton Collective? What is it and what are you folks up to? Yeah, so the Dalton Collective is an idea uh, that I had years ago when when I first really found Urbit, which is to say in Urbit, there are these sort of networking nodes. And one of them, one of the layers is, is very similar to what we have today in the normal internet, like an ISP. They have they give services to the people that are connected to them. And these nodes are called stars. And these stars also have the right to sell off individual, what are called planets, which are also NFTs, by the way. So we can bring this all together in the NFT discussion. Mm. But we wanted, I wanted to, to to manage this star as a collective endeavor, not just me, not just as a private individual. And so that's what the Dalton Collective is. It's primarily social. It's a group of people that are coming together around an interest group, in this case, urban and decentralized technologies in general. But we also want to make money and earn earn for ourselves like assets and other things that we can build wealth together. And also we want to do that in a particular way that is that sort of preserves our our sort of individuality and our independence and our freedom. So we want to, we try to use tools that we are in control of for the most part. We use money that we are in control of, in this case, crypto, that kind of thing. So that's the Dalton Collective sort of in a nutshell. Okay, awesome. That's great. And yeah, I know a little bit about the Dalton Collective because you and I have been talking about all these different kinds of things through the indiethinkers.org. Uh, Mm -hmm. community. And so I'm quite intrigued by Dalton Collective because you folks seem to be really at the forefront of what new types of community structures can be made available to people through leveraging these kind of -of state-of-the-art technologies. So Mm -hmm. it's really quite out there how you folks have structured your organization with pretty just interesting and impressive kind of technical sophistication. So that's why I've been quite intrigued by that. And I'm, I'm paying close attention to what you folks are figuring out with the Dalton Collective. And if, by the way, if people are interested in learning more about that, there'll be a link to that in the show notes so people can go check that out a little bit more. Okay, great. So thanks for giving us that kind of background of, of your expertise and, and your current projects. I think we should talk a little bit now about the NFT space in particular and yeah. what we've been talking about and, and trying to figure out in this front. So for people listening who just have no idea what that even is really. So I got interested in non-fungible tokens, aka NFTs, because they're essentially a kind of technology that allows content creators to sell collector's items, pretty much, is the simplest way to put it, I think, in layman's terms, but to do it on the blockchain in a way that is provably scarce. They're technically provably scarce goods. And as many people know, one of the big challenges with creating content on the internet is that information is intrinsically 
copyable and at zero marginal cost. So publishing free content, that's a beautiful thing, right? It's cool that people can share it uh, so easily and, and cheaply, but it does create some problems for content creators. And the idea of there being a, a technology in which you can make information on the internet provably scarce opens up really interesting opportunities for for commerce in particular. So I saw some case studies recently of people doing this with pretty impressive results. I wrote about this in a recent newsletter, my, my Signs of Life newsletter that I send out every Friday. I recently re- reported on one young digital artist who made several thousand dollars launching some NFTs representing, as I said before, scarce kind of collector's items of artwork. And I think you're seeing this most commonly right now with visual art, with uh, platforms such as Rarible or Super Rare. Mm-hmm. The the first instances of this seem to be mostly visually representable collector's items in a kind of nice aesthetic web uh, browser platform. So you can see visually the representatives, if you will, the visual representatives of these NFTs. And so I think it's easier for people to process when they can see, oh, here's this nice little artwork square. I'm going to buy the NFT associated with this visual artwork square. But really, that's just uh, one possible way of doing it. And it's easy to imagine in the not too distant future, there being cultures around NFTs for podcasts or NFTs for blog posts. And that's immediately what my mind went to when I saw these visual artists making really good chunks of change, launching NFTs for their visual art. I was like, I'm not a visual artist, but I'm super intrigued by how this kind of technology could be used for podcasts and blog posts and the, and the different and, and books possibly and the different types of things I I produce and people like me are more likely to produce rather than visual art. So I went to uh, Kenny and was like, Kenny, a lot about this stuff. Is this possible yet? Can you do this kind of thing with blog posts or podcasts or whatnot? And Kenny's answer was basically, I think so, but I'm not sure. Let me figure it out. And then Kenny went and figured it out. So Kenny, do you want to report back on how you see the current possibilities for content creators using NFTs who are perhaps not visual artists? Sure. And as you mentioned before, information has this tendency to want to be free. And even visual artists, like the, the, the art that they're putting out into the world, the thumbnail, can certainly be copied. That is, that's actually not the point. In fact, it's somewhat trivial to do that. And that's actually one of the largest sort of criticisms of this space is that how is this thing even rare in the first place? If it, if I can just copy the image and now I have it as, as a screen, as a backdrop on my desktop, or if mm-hmm. I print it out and put it on my wall, because the analog version, the thing itself is the rare item, the, the painting, there's only one painting. And if you make copies of it, then those things are far less expensive. And that's how you can determine what is and what is not rare. In this case, it's different because it's actually a cryptographic signature or attestation from the artist itself. So the meaning of what does this image represent is the thing that is rare, not the image itself. Mm. So the artist, if the artist were to create a lot of these things, they would have less value. Or if uh, they are in some other way, rare in that there's just one of them the it's rare because the artist who the person who made it says it made this sort of cryptographic attestation which is this nft it's not dissimilar to an actual handwritten signature which of course sports fans know have been traded for all kinds of different values on the open market because they represent a rare signature from the actual person who people are associating with the the product Exactly. So what is it rare? The thing that's rare is the signature of the artist, really. 
That's the thing that's not happening that you can't reproduce. Nobody in the internet can reproduce your signature, Justin, especially if it's a signature that's well known. Okay. And I think that's hard to wrap our minds around when we're looking at this sort of digital space. What does it mean to be rare and what does it not mean to be rare? But that's essentially also what Bitcoin and Ethereum and all of these digital currencies are. The reason you can't double spend them is because the signatures, essentially, there's other reasons why you can't, but the signatures is what keeps a coin valid and non like uh, reproducible. You can't just copy them over and over again. And that's essentially what you have with these tokens. And right now, currently, the current market is mostly for these sort of rare collectible items. But you know, there's also other things that potentially could pop out in the NFT's, NFT space. But then I think today we're going to focus on this, these, this, the content, right? The content producer, how can the content producer or what should the content producer be thinking about? And we've seen a lot of examples in the art space. So you, you, async art is also a really cool project where you don't buy the art itself. You can actually buy a layer on top of the art that you can modify and change. And then that kind of grows or you can hide layers and activate layers and it's an in interactive process. So there are things we can even do with content and content creators and consumers or patrons for a lack of a better word that are interactive using these digital technologies, which is neat. Yeah, absolutely. So when... I came to you and told you about my interest in possibly doing NFTs, but for blog posts or podcasts. Tell me, how did you interpret that? And what did you find when you went to think about the the current frontier for that kind of thing? Yeah. So I, when I'm thinking about either audio content or written content, those two types of things aren't really well representative in the NFT space. And there's a, there's a reason why. In, which is to say that NFTs tend to specialize. And that seems like an odd thing to say because isn't there an NFT standard? Yes, there is an NFT standard, and that's called ERC-721, in case anybody's you know, interested to look up the specification about what that means. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that all of these platforms can add onto that standard, okay? So when they create a smart contract on Ethereum and let other people interact with that contract, they might have 10 or 12 other different functions that come with the NFT standard. And then those functions tend to support things like visual arts or crypto kitties, which is like a genetic algorithm for creating unique sort of digital cats. Mm -hmm. So they're all different. So there isn't really just one kind of NFT. There's lots of different varieties. However, there are a few that have specialized in something more like generic NFTs where you can add your own information to these to these tokens. And so that's where I focused my attention. And the two platforms that I tried out for this particular project were Rarible and Mintbase.io, Mintbase.io and Rarible's Rarible.com. And then they, so those two platforms, they offer a lot of different features, but I ended up landing on Mintbase because it was the most generic. I could make what I wanted to make out of it. And that's where I focused my attention. Okay. Now, the way that Rarible has blossomed recently, and there are other similar platforms like Super Rare, I think is quite similar in the way that they're specializing in visual art. They have these very nice kind of slick uh, kind of platform spaces where you can browse these different works of art. And it's they seem to be doing quite well. It seems to be having a moment. Now, I'm curious if our research on doing this kind of thing for podcasts and written works were to be successful. Let's say we launch a proof of concept and 
I'm able to raise a good chunk of change with uh, some of my work or something like that. Let's say there's just a few kind of test cases that seem to show that this is viable and an, an attractive avenue for further exploration and development. Could let's say a crypto entrepreneur listening to this right now, could they go and build like rareable, but for writers or like rareable, but for podcasters? Do you think that is something that we can imagine in the not too distant future? Yeah, absolutely. And and essentially the things that you would sp- um, focus on is the content itself in, in terms of its affordances. So audio, that's an MP3 file or some other kind of digital format that you might want to store as a part of the NFT process so that you can get access to that. Mm-hmm. So when you and I were working on this, one of the things we ran into was what we we really would like a pointer to the episode itself, the audio of the podcast. But you can, and while you can add a URL into the NFT itself as just a custom feature, a custom way of doing it, some other content creator might choose to do it in a slightly different way. And it really is to the benefit of all content creators to converge on a similar standard. And what I mean by similar standard is just doing it the same way, meaning like this is how we reference the audio content that we're talking about. This is how we know that the audio, that the person who made this NFT is the person who created the audio content. Like all of these different pieces that you would want to know as somebody who is purchasing this, those things could get worked out either in a marketplace, meaning people come together and similarly do the same thing. But if we had a place we could go in order to do this, that would be really helpful for content creators like this, like of audio content or of written content, that kind of thing. Okay, great. Now, Do you want to maybe say a few words about how you've decided we should do this? Because we are going to try this. And you gave some thought to what would be the most sensible parameters for doing this. So do you want to maybe lay that out a little bit? Right. So yeah. So what the plan is for this particular proof of concept for an audio podcast, what would that look like? There are going to be some standard things like some visual elements that are similar to or exactly the same as the, the current podcast, meaning the logo, right? The description... Of, of the episode, those things would all be placed in. And then there would be pointers to where you could actually go get the audio and like a hash, some sort of hash of the audio content that is so that you could download the audio, the MP3 file, and then check it. Like you could actually do a checksum, say SHA-256, that would give you a, a hash value. And then that value would be signed by yourself and whoever the guest is. And and in that way, you have a signed copy of the audio content itself. That's the idea. Now, there's a couple things that need to get sorted out in the sense of, Justin, you need to have a signature that people can recognize. So what is that? There's lots of different ways that people can know that signature or that cryptographic key is yours. But the easiest one that I could think of on the Ethereum network is the Ethereum namespace. So in this case, justinmurphy.eth. And that can map to a public key. And then you can check the signature on that key. Same with your guests. So if you have your guests who have their own identity already, then they can bring that identity. So for for myself, I could use my Urbit ID potentially, but then you have to have some way of referencing what this, what it is. So if it's justin.eth, that's referring to the Ethereum namespace. If it's sickdevpilnup, which is my name on Urbit, then that's referencing something else. So we'll have to, the information will have to have enough information there that you can check signatures. That's the important thing. So I have a question about this. So this extra layer of adding the signatures and 
premium namespace and this stuff. This is this absolutely required or is this a kind of uh, nice extra touch? Because when I think about like Rarible or whatever, it's super easy to pretty much just log on, upload something and get it going. So I wonder, is is that extra kind of layer of technical signatures? Is that really so necessary? Like, how is that different or is that necessarily better than me just logging on to mintbase.io and uploading something and just letting that out there? Yeah, I'd say it's it's not required, but I think what gives value to NFC NFTs is meaning. The the way you describe that additional this seems like a hoop to jump through. Mm-hmm. That 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 is certainly true, but that also confers value as far as I, it, or at least in my mind it does. And likely the things that we would we need to experiment with what are the things that we need to do in order to confer value on these things? Like why would they why would anybody want this. So there could be as easy as, well, I know this is Justin's account on Mintbase and he's selling this thing and I want a piece, a small ownership of this content or, and that's just what it is. But then if it has this other thing where I have something unique about this content that's cannot be copied because it was hard to do, it's kind of almost like proof of work in that way that it'll add value to it. Okay. Got it. So that's something we're going to do in addition to just uploading to Mintbase. Now, for people who are maybe like totally lost in the technical weeds here, at the end of the day, this is actually pretty simple. And Kenny and I are going to do this, and we're actually going to share and report on how we're doing it. If any, if anyone out there also wants to do this with one of their podcasts or one of their blog posts or something like that. So we're going to actually document this and, and show in detail how this works. But at a super high level, it's really not as complicated as it sounds like mintbase.io is it's a user friendly web browser that a uh, web page, I'm sorry, that you can access in the browser. And it's all quite straightforward. You basically can just upload items and you can mint at NFTs just like you would upload an item to any website. So that's all pretty straightforward and user friendly. And then this other layer that Kenny is talking about now where we're going to actually sign these with a signature on the Ethereum namespace. Like, listen to me, I don't even really understand this stuff fully well enough to talk about it very adequately, and I'm going to be able to do it. So that, from what you've told me, Kenny, that's just, it takes a few extra steps, but it's not rocket science either, is that right? Yeah, and they're all web tools. None of this is command line so far, right? No, definitely not. Shouldn't be. (laughs) It shouldn't be, yeah. So everything we're talking about, even if it's technical, folks, it's like just a matter of logging into a few different websites and making things connect. What... Actually, this is probably worth pausing on. Like, what other prerequisites are there for people who are interested in following along with this kind of thing and maybe figuring this stuff out for themselves? Should we talk about MetaMask? Should we talk about wallets? What do you think are the the basic things people should be aware of or have under control before they start really thinking about doing what we're going to do? Yeah. So the easiest way to do some of the or I should say the largest ecosystem is Ethereum. But what I should also say there's other platforms and there's even whole blockchains that sort of spe- uh, specialize in this sort of area. And and those are those those are just tools and places that I'm not super familiar with. And that's why we're not really going there. If, if you are, great, go for it. But in, in terms of like the Ethereum tool set, yeah. So a Met, what MetaMask is a, it's a browser extension you can put into Brave or Chrome and that allows you to interact with the Ethereum blockchain through a web page, which is pretty handy. Obviously, you're going to need some Ether, right? So this is probably going to be through, if you're in the United States, Coinbase is a good way to get yourself some Ether. Probably not a lot. Only a few dollars is probably all you'll need in order to actually create one of these things. Maybe $10 worth. That should be should be enough. 
other than that, there's going to be a few websites like you, we've already mentioned, like Mintbase and a few others to interact. But that's really what it is. And for creators anyway. And then I would say for people thinking about what does it mean or why should I care about these things that potentially are coming out? And for, for me, myself, I listen to a good deal of audio content and the content that I listen to, it, it really informs sort of the way I think about the world. And if I want to do a couple things about regarding that so I can support the people that actually create this content, but two, when I own a piece of it that's rare and has some sort of rare value to it or rare dis- distribution, that's also a way for me to go deeper into that content in a way that I couldn't before. If that makes hmm. sense, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. What else I would add to that is how many times do you listen to a podcast and you hear someone say something that you've never heard before, and you're like, "Wow, that is so I, that is so true." I so believe in that insight, and I've never heard anyone say that before, and that's super valuable and important. And you currently you don't really have any way to act on that immediately in terms of actually getting exposure to it. So, in a really interesting way, if we can figure out ways to more fluidly monetize content such as podcasts, but specifically with this kind of NFT structure where buying something is essentially also investing in it. That is just super intriguing to me because it essentially gives to the marketplace of ideas uh, a real kind of competitive financial stakes, which Mm -hmm. I find so fascinating. Like I want there to be a day when I'm listening to a podcast and I'm like, huh, I really think this is true. I think other people don't appreciate how true this is and how significant this is going to be going into the future. So I'm going to go onto my web browser real quick and I'm going to buy an NFT associated with this podcast because I believe in it. And I think the value of this insight embedded in this audio file is going mm-hmm. to increase over time. That I think is yeah. the the most interesting and exciting aspect to this. Yeah, you could think of it as almost like intellectual bookmarking. But with financial stakes also, you know? Yes, and that's what I mean, but also public. So you could think of an aggregator, some other website that knows this information. They're just watching the blockchain for particular content that's coming down and how much people are willing to pay for it and then ranking it based on those signals and displaying it in a certain way. Which so that when you like, say, want to go research a particular topic, you can see what does the market think about this topic? And you as a participant in that market by if you get in earlier than later or whatever that means is specifically, you can signal early at a, at probably a lower price. And then as that idea gains traction, you know, that, that price potentially could appreciate. Not necessarily so. It could be just a way to support content creators. And in that way, it right. has its own value. But it's certainly true that getting in early on ideas tends to tends to signal their worth. And when other people start to adopt those ideas, they have more value. Yeah, I love this. This is when I, I, I start to get so excited, I can barely sit still because this is where people who are working hard on what is true, rather than what is popular or socially acceptable at, at any given moment, the people that are working on what is true, have so much to gain from these types of technologies. If we can, as a culture, figure out how to link up ideas and money in this kind of way. So I, I find this so heady and so attractive mm-hmm. and exciting. And I, I feel like it's on the horizon because it's already yeah. happening in certain domains. And yeah, this is why we're so interested in figuring out how to expand this to other forms of content. Okay, basically, for people listening, they already have in their minds, they hear that I'm going to log on to mintbase.io, I'm going to uh, mint 
an NFT for a particular podcast or something like that, whatever piece of content we choose to go with at first, we've generally been talking about podcasts so far. And then I'm going to create like the justinmurphy.eth namespace on whatever platform. Kenny's going to walk me through all that when we actually sit down to do this. And then I'm going to basically add all of the met, all of the relevant metadata to the mint base NFT that I'm going to mint. And so I think most people are with us on that. It's, it sounds intuitive enough and we'll show people the, the nitty gritty logistical details as I do them. Like I'm going to do screencasts and stuff like that. Now what next is launching it presumably. And that is a bit of a process, right? So for this type of project to be successful, Kenny, I'm going to have to, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to go tell people I'm going to do an auction. Uh, I'm going to set a price and then do a big uh, publicity a campaign to draw attention to the sale. How does that work? And how, sh- how should we be thinking about that? So yes, so you could sell that particular NFT or group of NFTs, let's say they're 10 created, you could sell them directly on Mintbase, though there's not a lot of traction right now for, for that as a marketplace, I'd say. The one place that's the most has the most attention is OpenSea as a marketplace. And these NFTs are independent of marketplaces. So like you can transfer your mint base NFT to OpenSea and sell it there. And then selling it there comes with different sort of features, right? You could use and you could set a, a fixed price. You could set an auction style, all these other kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So that's likely where we'll end up is that we'll, yeah, we'll have some well, some sort of announcement either through your existing channels, right? That this thing is available. You can go and either make a bid or put in an or just buy one. There might even be two different kinds. Who knows? Here's the place you can go do it. And here's how much time you have. And that's generally how it would work. And after some period of time, they can come off the marketplace and people can just put in bids as they would like. That's to your, you can either accept those bids or not, or you can just take them off the market in general. Okay, right. Now, what about details in in the sense of for someone like me, I have a podcast. I just recently crossed 100 episodes. So I have this kind of back catalog of podcasts Obviously, with any podcast, some are more popular than others, some made more of an impact than others. And I'm thinking about doing this process that we're talking about. What do you think is the best way to proceed with this? What type of sale do you think would be most strategic for what I'm doing? Should I do this with just one podcast? Should I make 10 copies of it or one copy? Should I, Do you think I would benefit most from an auction or from a flat price or so what are your takes on that? I definitely think you should go into the back catalog. Probably not the whole thing, probably the most high profile episodes. There's a couple episodes I can think of specifically that I would want to own. And right, then, kind of like cult classics probably. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I I think the mansion episodes, all those, that was great content. I definitely want to I'd want a piece of that. <laughs> and then if you could even get those some of those old guests to add some of their own signatures, this might be harder then it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Your signature is, I think, required. But the more, some other things that you can add, the, the better. And even it could be even, sometimes you can use, you can even use NFTs as access to private Discord channels. Mm-hmm. And this is just completely, it doesn't have anything to do with the NFT itself. It's just the the bot on Discord looks to see, you you configure it to, to look for a particular kind of NFT and it will let you in if you have it. So there's other kind of interesting things you can do with these things as well as in terms of access to additional content. Yeah, definitely go in the back catalog. I'd say a a flat price is the easiest, though auction is potentially going to give you the most return for you. You could maybe do a little bit of both. See what works. Presumably something I would need to drum up interest in for this kind of thing to be successful. You have to. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. So 
that's pretty much the game plan. We've been uh, discussing this and thinking about it for at least several weeks now. And so I think what's next is we're going to actually do this. And like I said, I'm going to we're going to document it. We might do some live stream screen shares or something like that. So be on the mm-hmm. lookout and we'll report back for sure uh, about how it goes. Kenny, do you think there's anything else particularly important or interesting on this front more generally that we should share with people? Yeah, I think the the future is really wide open. There's still a lot of room for experimentation. I think that the, the things that we're doing right now with NFTs are similar in kind to when motion pictures were invented. The first thing they did with that is like they filmed plays because that's the only thing they had at the time. That's what we're doing with NFTs right now. We're just repurposing old content like playing cards and individual collectibles. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's absolutely where we should be started. But the horizon is just so broad and so vast in terms of non-fungible assets, really, is what you can think of them as. Meaning the total addressable market size for this kind of thing is more than the amount of money in the world. That's really how big it is. Just assets in general are that big. Hmm. Uh, And you can think of assets as just anything people put a value on as an asset. And that's really what we're opening up with these types of things. And so I really expect there to be so much more innovation and so much more interesting things. It's really a space to be playing around with now. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes and how people, what people think. Yeah, absolutely. Same. So thanks for coming on and talking about this with me. And thanks for your help over the past few weeks, game planning this out and your help in the future as I figure out how to launch this experiment. So for anyone out there listening, if you're interested in what we're doing, definitely reach out. I'll put a link in the show notes uh, for you to easily contact us if you want to in any way be a part of this or give us your input or whatever. If if you want to do your own thing related to these experiments, we would love to hear from anyone working on anything related to this. So definitely hit me up. There's a link in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about Kenny's work with Urbit and or the Dalton Collective, there are also links to to Kenny's work in the show notes. Yeah, I think that's all for now. Is that all for now, Kenny? That's it. All right. Thanks again, Kenny. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, you should send it to a friend. Just email it to them or post it on your social networks, whatever. And to learn more about what we discussed in this podcast or to send me questions to address in future episodes, please just go to otherlife.co and you'll find everything there. There's actually a ton of cool stuff on there, so check it out if you haven't already. Thanks again, folks. I'll see you here next time.